the word of the Lord from Romans chapter 1, verses 15 to 25 and 28 to 32. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, says St. Paul. Well, Why would he be ashamed? Why would anyone be ashamed? The answer is that for sinners, every day is opposite day. You can describe the aspects of original sin in a lot of different ways. You can call it the total corruption of human nature or say that it is the rebellious desire to be like God, which leads some to say that pride is the original sin. Whatever the description The outcome is that sinners naturally want to do the opposite of what God says. They want to oppose his commands, take his gifts, and misuse them for things he never intended. This isn't really even an intentional thing. It's part of the sinful nature, 
which means that people think that opposing God is the perfectly natural thing to do. In Jeremiah 10, the prophet declares that God created the heavens and the earth in power and wisdom. In contrast, he says that man is stupid and without knowledge. Why? Because rather than call upon the creator of all things for help, instead man makes a little statue out of gold and declares that the idol will deliver him. Now, the statue is a lump of metal with no more sentience than a crumpled beer can, and it can do absolutely nothing to help the one who worships it, but he worships it all the same. So, on the one hand, you have the one true living God who says, I've made you and all things, I've redeemed you with my own son's blood, and I want you to call upon me with the assurance that I will help you. And on the other hand, you have a lump of metal that some dude made into a shape. Which is the better choice for worship? Clearly, God is. But it's opposite day, so man opts for the crumpled beer can. Likewise, in our gospel reading, you have the Son of God cleansing the temple because the Pharisees worship their own rules. But they opt for the rules rather than God incarnate in their midst. Opposite day. St. Paul brings up a big one for our present time in Romans chapter 1. He too declares that God is the maker of all things and that his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Then he says that sinners have become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts are darkened. Why? Because every day is opposite day. His big example in Romans 1, a marriage and family. God creates men and God creates women, and he gives them the institution of marriage in which he includes an extraordinary intimacy that bonds them together and even serves to bring more life into the world, life that is then nurtured within a loving household. No matter what you hear these days, This is a really good plan. Couples who marry for life tend to enjoy lifelong love and companionship, far more intimacy, economic security, and deliverance from loneliness. Kids who grow up in a stable household are much better prepared for happy and fulfilling lives. Stable households lead to stable neighborhoods and a stronger society. God's plan fits what he created people to be and to do. So, where are we today? Instead of men and women, society argues that you have plastic people who sometimes get born into the wrong body, and man can right that wrong by mutilating them with extensive surgeries and lifelong prescriptions. Instead of marriage between man and woman, same-sex marriage is legalized, and same-sex love is exalted, even if the former defeats the purpose and the latter fails to to provide the lifelong intimacy that God intended. Children are considered too much of an inconvenience to have around the house for a couple of decades, and when they grow up in broken homes, they face great challenges for the rest of their lives. Intimacy is divorced from couples, reduced to lonely individuals and technology. And then experts scratch their heads as to why people are unhappy and why society is falling apart.
And should you have the temerity to point out concerns with any of the situations above, you will quickly be diagnosed with a psychological problem. Namely, you have a phobia that's in need of treatment so that you're not so filled with hate. I mean, just say out loud that if a girl thinks she's a guy, maybe it's better to address her mental outlook to match her body rather than mutilate her body to match her temporary mental outlook. And the response will be, what are you so afraid of and why do you hate her so? None of this makes any sense at all. You don't need to hear God and his word to look at what's happening and say, this isn't going to turn out well. So why is it happening? You can find all sorts of treatises about how this is all progress. A sort of umbrella philosophy of the day is that we live in a postmodern society where there is no truth, and so you as an individual should do whatever you want to do. This is built on the assertion that there is no truth because there is no God. Because if there is no God, there is no authority to decide what is true and right. If there is no God, it's left to you as the individual to decide what is right and wrong. In other words, it's still opposite day. God says, here I am, and man says, no, you're not. God says, if you follow my plan, you have a much better chance of being happy. And man says, we will only be happy if we are free from that plan, even if our happiness makes us miserable. Now, if you're the sort of person who shows up at Good Shepherd for a midweek Lent service, then you're probably nodding your head at St. Paul's obvious example. But it's only one example. He lists a bunch of others in our epistle, including covetousness, envy, gossip, pride, and defiance of authority. In other words, he lists a bunch of sins that you really don't mind committing. And when you do, you're happy to justify them. For instance, two of the Ten Commandments begin with, You shall not covet. But rather than say, I will be content with what God gives me, you're much more likely to say, If I only had more, then I would stop coveting. In doing so, you join Opposite Day as you oppose the Lord. You can see now why St. Paul asserts, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's easy to be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the good news about the Son of God who died to take away your sin. If you live in a world of people who deny the existence of God and the concept of sin, you're going to face a lot of pressure to stop talking about the Lord and His grace because you're getting in the way of the stampede to insanity. If you live with yourself and your preference for various sins, you're going to want to shame yourself about the gospel because you want to justify your sinfulness. It's not easy to not be ashamed of the gospel. So why hold on to it? Because it is the power of salvation to all who believe. Because while it is so very important for Christians to be active citizens who vote and act within society to curb evil and show the irrationality of our time, laws will not fix the problem. The solution to opposite day is to cause sinners to stop opposing God.
How is this done? By repentance and the forgiveness of sins. What brings about repentance and the forgiveness of sins? The proclamation of the gospel. What prevents you from hardening your heart by holding on to your sins and justifying them? Repentance and the forgiveness of sins. What brings about repentance and the forgiveness of sins? The proclamation of the gospel. Against all the horrors of the world today, a church that continues to unashamedly hold fast to the gospel will look like it's doing absolutely nothing to help. But a church that unashamedly holds fast to the gospel is doing exactly what God has given it to do. We are far better off opposing the devil, the world, and sinful flesh than be found opposing God. See, all the insanity and sin and evil that we've talked about, Christ has already borne it to the cross so that people might be free of it forever. All of your sins with which you struggle and which bring you guilt and shame, Christ has borne those sins to the cross that you might be forgiven. In fact, he gathers you here and now to say, I forgive you. He feeds you with his own body and blood so that you might know that you are forgiven, not forsaken or abandoned. This world is passing away. When it shames you for following Jesus, remember that it shamed him too. But your Savior is risen from the dead, and he lives and reigns forever. And by his holy gospel, he gives you grace and righteousness and faith. And the righteousness will live by faith forever. Rejoice, my friends, for Jesus' sake, now and forever. God is not ashamed of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.